I am really showing more about what I think of the Lord through my relationship with my wife than what I do with you know the people in my band or the people mm-hmm. in my church or you know what I do on a Sunday morning. Welcome to Soundless Doctrine, the podcast of Sovereign Grace Music, where we explore what the Bible has to say about music and worship in the church and encourage those who plan, lead, and participate in their Sunday gatherings each week. Hello and welcome to the Sound Plus Doctrine Podcast. My name is David Zimmer. And my name is Bob Coughlin. And it is great to be together again. It's always a joy to be together. Love and thank these. you for joining us, uh, whether you listen to this uh, where you stream your podcasts or watching us on YouTube. Yeah. We're so happy that you would uh, join us. Amen. Uh, today, Bob, we're doing a two-part series on the worship leader and his family. Hmm. Uh, so good. I just think it's yeah such an important topic. We uh, we recently did a worship matters intensive. Uh, we do those two or three times a year, and uh, in that intensive, uh, you know, thirteen to fifteen guys come to Louisville. Uh, we you know we do ministry together for five days. It's an awesome time. We do lead and reviews. Uh, if you want more information about it, if you're not aware of what that is, you can check it out on our website. But um, in one of those breakouts, you talked about uh, this very topic, yeah, worship leader yeah. and his family, and what's the dynamic, and how do we uh, prize our wives, and how mm. do we raise our kids, and not make ministry a priority, uh, you know, the ultimate priority. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It just was so helpful that I wanted to do a dedicated podcast to it. Oh, that's so great. Uh, and so, um, just off the bat, why is this such an important topic? Well, you know, it's it's one of the the areas that I think we can assume in ministry. Mm. So you, you know, a, a guy works hard to to do well in front of people, and it, it might be you know their musical skills or their verbal skills or their communication skills, their leadership skills, all that stuff. And mm-hmm. you're you're trying to to be effective as a as a minister of the gospel and song, as you're standing in front of a church. And we can start to think subtly that that's our offering to God. Hmm. And that's what God's most concerned about. But actually, he's not most concerned about that. He's, he's concerned about not only the worship that comes when we sing as the worship that comes through our relationships. Hmm. And you know that's easy to see when we think how when the uh, lawyer came up to Jesus in Matthew 22 and asked him, you know, what's the greatest commandment? And and Jesus didn't say, well, it's to perform your ministry responsibilities well. Right. You know, it's he said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all yeah. your soul and with all your mind. This this is the great and first commandment. And the second is like it: you shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. Mm-hmm. Well, who's who's my neighbor? Well. It begins with, if I'm a married guy, it begins with my wife. Mm-hmm. That's who my, I am to love as myself. And it's funny, when Paul talks about um, the relationship between husbands and wives in Ephesians 5, he, he addresses this. He says, husbands, Ephesians 5.25, husbands love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave mm-hmm. himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. 
In the same way, husbands, so this really applies to any husband, not just worship leaders. Husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself, for no one ever hated his own flesh, Mm. but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. Hmm. Paul says in another place, Romans 15, 5 and 6, May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another, in accord with Christ Jesus, that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Hmm. So it struck me over the years, and I've been doing this now for hmm, a long time, 45 years or so, that uh, the the worship God is looking for begins with my relationship with my wife. Mm. And so it's it's crucial that that our wives not feel as though they're they're you know, vying for the our affections in relation to our ministry. That that we don't love our ministry more than we love them, that we don't get more excited about our ministry, leading songs, than we do being with them. And yet, you know, I've talked to a number of leaders who, who might think they're doing that or, mm. or are just totally unaware of it, and it just it results in conflict. It results in, um, you know, marriages that aren't doing well, right. and yet we're supposed to be having marriages that that are bringing honor and glory to the Lord. Right. Well, and I think uh, I think sometimes there can be the temptation to think in ministry, uh, well, this is my calling, so this takes the ultimate priority. Yeah. Like yeah, this yeah, has yeah. to. It's not like I, you know, I sell insurance or whatever, uh, or I just do a certain job. It's almost like they put more pressure on the fact that you know God. This is I'm doing the Lord's God work. God told me to, that's right. Yeah. yeah, God told me to do this. Yeah. Only God, God didn't tell you to do that. At least not in His Word. <laughs> yeah. What He does tell us to do is to is how to treat our wives. Yes, a hundred percent. So we, Julie and I have been married for 45 years now, and in in the intensive, I share this story about our relationship and how how merciful God has been. And mm. how kind the Lord has been. Because I, I think most guys don't get this. <laughs> I know I didn't get it for years. That that I am really showing more about what I think of the Lord through my relationship with my wife than what I do with you know the, the people in my band or the people mm-hmm. in my church or you know what I do on a Sunday morning. Yes. And I've I've had guys ask me, you know, well, what if I've you know I'm getting standing up to lead and you know, I've I've had a you know argument with my wife the night before, or you know that morning coming in. You know, how how can I stand up there? And I say, you know, two things to realize from that is one that um, you're 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 revealing like what's most important to you. Mm-hmm. Like I want to do this thing where I'm standing in front of people and looking so great, and and I'm not so great. But then the other thing is how wonderful that we get to stand up in front of people and say, you know what, we have a great Savior. Mm. I, I may not be the best husband, but we have a great Savior. Mm. And I, I hope those instances remind us that, you know, your, your wife's not a nuisance. She's not a hindrance to what you're mm. doing. 
she is she is meant to be your focus. She's meant to be your passion. Mm. Um, that's why God gave her to you. So, so my story with Julie. I mean, yeah. just in its roughest details. That you can't have rough details. We met in high school. I gave her a Valentine's Day card in 1972, along with 16 other girls, and uh, she was the only one who responded. So, <laughs> I so I thought, okay, I'll only I wasn't thinking that she was going to be the one who was going to respond. I, I don't know if I shared this on the another podcast when Julie came on, um, but it was bad. It was bad. I, it was more like a sympathy card. It was more like I was the senior class president. You know, she was just like someone who was really quiet. I thought how blessed she would be to get a Valentine's Day card from me. So she wrote me this really long note, and we started dating. Uh, you know, that summer. Although I didn't, I didn't really want to be her boyfriend. I just wanted, you know, her to. Being, I just wanted to be nice to her, but she had a car, so that drew me to yeah, her. And I didn't draw. have a car; it was a big draw. <laughs> and um, so we started dating in in high school, uh, summer after high school. And then I went to college; she went away to work somewhere else. And then she went to my school, Temple University, uh, that mm-hmm. next year. Mm-hmm. And then uh, I I knew that ah, this wasn't the girl I was supposed to marry, and, or not the girl I'm supposed to be with. I don't think I'm gonna ever marry her. And, so we, um, I remember hearing a, a pastor talk at a retreat about how you shouldn't be have you know be physically involved with this uh, a, a woman that you're not married to. So that really affected me, and I went home to Julie, and and so a couple months later I broke up with her, and uh, it was horrible. I mean, we, we we went to see the movie The Way We Were with Robert Redford and Barbara Streisand. It's about a couple that you know meets, and then they have this they love each other and they break up. So that night, after seeing that movie with her, I told her I was breaking up with her. So it was bad. Um, it was it was horrible. So then we had driven down for break, and then we had to drive back to school, three-hour drive, and she was driving. That was a very quiet ride back. I could imagine. So uh, for two years, we uh, had a lot of times where she was in the stairwell saying, why can't we get you know be boyfriend, girlfriend? And I said, nah, that, you know, trust the Lord. You know, we were both Christians by the time. Trust the Lord. God works all things for the good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose and give thanks and everything. It was just horrible. So then uh, one time a guy came, a mutual friend came to Julie and said, hey, can I start, can, can we go on a date and, you know, just see what could happen? And she said, no, I'm, I can't do that because I'm saving myself for Bob. Mm-hmm. And he said, well, he told me that he was gonna, never, never going to marry you. And she said, what? And uh, so she came over to my practice room and and uh, I said, did you say you'd never marry me? And I said, yes. And she said, why? And I gave her some reason, and it wasn't a very good reason. <laughs> and um, she said, that stinks. And so she left the room. And I remember going after her, but she doesn't remember me coming after her. <laughs> yeah, why should she? Uh, in, but through that, the Lord showed me how vain, vain I was, how proud I was, mm. how, how I envisioned, you know, Marrying a certain girl who looked a certain mm. way, and Julie didn't look quite like that, and and uh, I just realized I, I was I was stupid, I was proud. No one loved me like Julie did. So mm. we eventually, uh, I think it was uh, just like a month or two later, I asked her to marry me, and uh, we got married in August of 1976, and. Uh, yeah, she had a hard time believing that I loved her for some reason for <laughs> a number of years. Um, but 
during my early years of ministry, I was in a band, Glad, for eight years. We were on the road. And then I became a pastor a year after that, in 85. And I remember there would be times when Julie would walk into my office. One specific time. she walked. She's, I was working as a pastor, and she was driving by and stopped by to see me. And she walked into my office, opened the door, and I just kind of looked up and thought, yes, can I help you? And it was like she was an interruption to my day. Hmm. And I look back on that with with sadness, with with hmm. regret, with sorrow, um, just that I would ever make her feel uh, unwanted, hmm. uh, that she wasn't the one that I wanted to be with always. And you know, it's it's taken a long time, but but through the years, I have sought to love her better. Hmm. Wow. Uh, yeah. I mean, how, what, in what ways, uh, did you want to prioritize that above all of the things you've only gotten busier, like over the years with your work schedule and things that are going on? Like how, I mean, for, for guys that maybe feel guilty or maybe they feel like, man, I feel like I'm so involved. Mm. I never make time. Mm. Like how, how would you encourage them? Oh man. Well, let me let me start by saying I think the reasons we we value ministry over our wives, how that develops. Mm-hmm. Ministry's public. Everybody sees it. You know, you get commendation, you you get thanks, mm-hmm. you get strokes. Whereas with your wife, uh, you don't get that. You know, it's just you and her in the home and until you have kids, and then that's a whole nother topic, <laughs> which we'll cover next time. Yeah. Uh, but you don't get that public applause, that mm-hmm. public praise. Mm-hmm. And so that that plays to our pride. Mm. You know, we, we're doing this other stuff publicly, and so that's really important. But the other things that the Lord has commanded us specifically to do in Ephesians 5, we don't, we just kind of assume that. Of course she knows I love her. I told her we got married. She said, do you, do you want this woman to be your wife? Yeah, I do. Right. Then I it kind of goes on autopilot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For a lot of guys, it does. Yeah. And um, we, we, we love the public acclamation. I think it, it just appeals to our own pride. Look what I can do. Look what I can accomplish. Um, and loving your wife is different from that. Mm-hmm. And it's harder, I think. Much harder. Because that's, that's who you really are, uh, is who you are in your home. Right not who you are in front of people on a Sunday morning. It's who you are in your home. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think sometimes maybe wives can have a sense of feeling like, well, this is also my role to just sort of disappear, hmm. like in the home or... But I think I think you and Julie have had the privilege of being able to do ministry together. Yes. Uh, if you... You know, if you've heard this podcast before, Julie came on the podcast and just was so helpful in how she framed that. Some years we got to partner on a stage, yes, or yes. and then some she years sing. she would say, and then some years I that wasn't my priority, yeah, that wasn't yeah. my role, and so I just that has been uh, such an encouragement to see and to have her sharing her mm. you know her perspective was so helpful. But I, I just think it's so easy for, like you said, ministry to take that priority. Um, and then I think another thing tied to this, not to not to pivot to something else, but I think something so tied to this is so 
frequently men are, uh, you know, choosing to prioritize something other than their wives, and it's ending up in disaster. Mm. Mm. Um, and mm. so where does personal integrity and where does purity come into this mm. uh, equation of how you're loving your wife? Mm. Mm. That is a pivot um, uh, and an important pivot. Um, yeah, maybe we should talk about just cultivating that that passion for your wife because that's a part of it. Yes. And this would apply to single guys as well. Yeah. You know, um, because if you're a single guy, you are... Uh, most likely, most often, preparing for marriage or trying to be someone who could be ready to be mm-hmm. married, and um, you know any any thought you give to sex that's outside of the context of God's design is going to be destructive. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's just something that uh, we don't give enough time to. Mm-hmm. I, I unfortunately have talked to too many heard of or talked to too many guys who this is a kind of their secret struggle. Mm. And whether it's porn or whether it's worse than that uh, or whether it's just thoughts. Mm. Um, and the Lord sees those things. The Lord knows mm. those things. And as we, as we seek to please him as those who have been bought with a price, you are not your own, so glorify God with your body, 1 Corinthians 6.20. Um, we 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 want to realize recognize that this is a really big deal this is you know what we do where our eyes go where our thoughts go what we do in in this area of purity is is really important and i came across a book not too long ago um uh, pure in heart by garrett kell mm-hmm. that was i thought was just outstanding mm-hmm. and if um yeah, that might be helpful to someone. I think it will be helpful. Uh, I just, I just found it very inspiring, and have given it away numerous times. Um, but yeah, whether you're single or married, that that is an area that you you want to guard so carefully. And in on the other side of that, you just don't want to stop doing things. You want to recognize that because you know the gospel not only has assures us that we're forgiven. The gospel assures us that Jesus has risen from the dead, he's ascended to his Father's right hand, and he sent the Spirit mm-hmm. to empower us to live new lives. We are new creations. Right. We, can, we can draw upon new desires, but we have to cultivate them. Yeah. And um, you know, cultivating affection for your wife is, is one of those things I've sought to do over the years, which I'm so grateful for, you know, because now as Julie is, is if uh, you were aware of the podcast we did, she's battling breast cancer for the second time. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm just so grateful for all the time I've invested in learning to love her well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there are a lot of books on on how to love your wife, and, and they're, they're, I'm sure a lot of them are great. But I was saying to you earlier that the longer I've been married, the more I just go to what God has said in his word and mm. just, just ask myself, am I doing this? Yeah, right. You know, am I, am I doing this? Yeah. Am I loving my wife as Christ loved the church? Am I giving myself up for her? Mm. Am I washing her with water through the word mm. so that I can present her 
uh, in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing. One of the things I said to the guys in the intensive is, you know, the longer you're married, the more your wife is a reflection of your love and leadership. So if your wife's insecure, if she's bitter, if she's angry, if she's apathetic, if she doesn't care about the things of the Lord, that's a reflection on you. Hmm. I mean, she's responsible, she's accountable, but that's a reflection on your, your care for her or lack of care for her. In the same way husbands should love their wives as their own bodies, he who loves his wife loves himself. You know, I love myself really well. We all we all do a great job. I cut myself slack. I give myself justifications for everything. Right. And and the Lord is saying, love your wife like that. Yeah. You know, you don't hate your flesh. Nourish and cherish it. And I love those words. Nourish and cherish it. Right. So I just tried to give more thought to how can I nourish and cherish my wife? Hmm. Um as Christ does the church because we are members of his body. And then the other passage is that's really relevant is 1 Peter 3, 7, where Peter talks about how husbands are to lo- live with their wives in an understanding way, mm-hmm. in an understanding way, not a domineering way, mm-hmm. not in an efficient way, not in a professional way, uh, but in an understanding way. Showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life, Mm. so that your prayers may not be hindered. Just those two passages alone, like, have given me so much to to work towards by the grace of God. You know, to put myself um, to to to, yeah to strive towards. So, uh, you know, how do I nourish and cherish my wife? Well. I mean, I'm just going to share some things that have been helpful for me over the yeah, years. Great. Um, you know, one thing I've realized is that when I am in her space with Julie, she's the most important person in the room. Mm. Like it doesn't, and I didn't used to realize this when I, when I was in the band and I'd be talking to people afterwards. I, I'd be talking to people for like 10 minutes before I acknowledged that my wife was standing next to me. <laughs> And there were times I'd realize that and I'd just feel bad. Mm. You know, I was so, so excited about talking to this person, drawing them out and letting them know what a great person I am that <laughs> I, I, I didn't introduce them to the person I treasure more than anybody or I'm supposed to be treasuring more than anybody, but it's mm. obvious through my present interaction that I'm not. Mm. So that was one of the things that just, just struck me when I'm with her there, there've got to be indicators that I really value her. So, you know, one of the things we, I don't know, when we started practicing this, well, early on, we, when we pray for a meal, I always kiss her afterwards. We learned that from our pastor when we were early married, uh, first married. Uh, he and his wife did it. And they didn't have a great relationship, but it was fine. <laughs> it was good. I mean, it wasn't like passionate, but, but we just thought that's a good practice. Hmm. So we've been doing that for 45 years. And, hmm. you know, it just says, you know what? At this meal, right now, I love you. Hmm. Um, when I leave in the morning, I always kiss Julie. Hmm. She might be asleep. I kiss her. Um, when I come home, f- first thing I do, I, whenever I leave the house, I let her know I'm leaving and I kiss her. Mm-hmm. When I come into the house, doesn't matter who's there, my first thought is I want to find my wife and kiss her to tell her, that I love her. Like all the people in the room, very exciting. You know, we might have a bunch of people over, but of all those people, 
all the time, anytime, she's the most valuable. Mm -hmm. Now, that's something that that you may not feel in your heart, like, you know, I want to do this. But as a practice, it just has helped me cultivate nourishing, cherishing her, cherishing her. And and we we made it early, made a point early on not to waste our kisses. Mm. You know, not to, you know, it, it's just not right when a young couple, excuse me, kisses passionately. And then as you get older, you know, it just develops into these little pecks on the cheek. You know, it's like, come on, come on. This is like God gave you this relationship to enjoy yeah. and to benefit from and to communicate to each other. But I'm talking about guys here primarily, to your wife. I value what God has given us here. Yeah. So that's something I've just sought to to be faithful to. And you know, mm-hmm. if I ever leave the house and which is pretty rare, and haven't kissed her goodbye, she'll text me. Did you leave? You know, it's like, oh my gosh, I'm sorry I did it, you know, but that's pretty rare. Yeah, well, and I mean, just to, to like, really, uh, I mean, all this is so good, just hearing it again. I've heard you say this, uh, you know, so many times, but just, and again, it's so refreshing to my soul. But just the, the concept that you're investing into something that you love. You're going to spend the most time, your thoughts, yes. your cares, all of it's going to be poured somewhere. Yes. It's going to be yes. it's going to be directed somewhere. Yeah. And as you're saying if it's not directed to the woman uh, or or husband that God has given you, uh, it's going to be directed somewhere yes. else. Yes. Yes. And so just making those tiny choices that are investments over long periods Years, of time. Years, decades. Yeah. That, and it bears fruit. It's cumulative, whichever way you go. Yeah, right. So if you invest your passion in your music, or if you invest your passion in sports, or if you invest your passion in your kids, or or you, your your job, your friends, whatever, it's going somewhere. And mm-hmm. cumulatively, that will have effect. I think that's one of the reasons that, that wives can feel slighted uh, hmm. in, in relation to you know, their husband's job Mm -hmm. is because they don't feel that affection. Mm -hmm. And uh, as I said earlier, my wife should never feel like she's in competition with my ministry for my affection. Mm -hmm. She should always know that she, uh, that I value her more. Mm -hmm. There are sacrifices in the ministry. I've had to go away for, you know, 10 days, two weeks sometimes. Um, You do work long hours sometimes. But in the downtime, you should be investing. You should be letting your wife know, I value you. I care about you. When you get home, you ask her, and I didn't do this for years, how was your day? What did you do? Yeah. What did you do? In fact, not too long ago, I think we were at a conference, and uh, Julie wasn't at the conference. She was doing other things. And I remember you asking her, so Julie, you know, what did you do today? And I just thought, I haven't even asked her that. <laughs> you know, it's like, oh, I'm in the conference guy. I'm doing the big conference stuff, you know. And I was just convicted that mm. no, I want to be. Yeah. I want to be more concerned about her world than I'm about than I am about my world. Mm. And that's that's something that we need to sow into again and again and again. So you know, you come home from 
I don't know, ministering on Sunday, and you know it's it's two o'clock in the afternoon, and you know your wife is is there, and maybe she's put the kids down or or whatever, and you're coming back thinking, oh man, I've just had, I've done so much, I've worked so hard, and you know, <laughs> and you don't you're not even thinking about what your wife's been doing. Yeah, you just want to hear, oh, you are the best. <laughs> you are so godly, so spiritual, and it's just it's just sad. Another thing I've done, uh, and again, these are just things trying to trying to uh, live out what God has told us. Ephesians five, First mm-hmm. Peter three. How do I cherish? How do I nurture? Uh, is when we're together in a room. I want to be close to Julie. Mm-hmm. I I I want to be sitting next to her. I want to be touching her. Really, and uh, not a mindless touch. Just I'm just putting my hand on, you know, her <laughs> her leg or whatever. But I I want her to know, you know what? As we're talking to this couple, this family, this you know, whatever this person, I just want you to know, I'm thinking about you. Mm. Uh, Do it on Sunday, you know. I'm listening to the message. I'm paying attention, taking notes carefully. But even in that moment, I'm thinking, you know what? I'm just so happy to be here next to you. Mm. And I just find it something that you, the more you cultivate it, the more you pour into it, um, the more it grows. Mm-hmm. That's true with anything, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, pictures. I have a picture of Julie on my phone. And of course, you have pictures of whatever on your phone. And, um, you know, it doesn't mean, necessarily mean anything. Yeah, yeah. But I'm trying to be intentional. Intentionally cultivating. Yes. Yeah, about yeah. saying, you know, when I open up my phone, which I do probably, you know, I read someone said, told me the other day, 200 times a day you pick up your phone. <laughs> I found that hard to believe personally. I'm sure my family would disagree. But I want to see my wife. Yeah. You know, there she is. Oh, yeah. Yep. And I, I love it when I uh, just met a guy, saw, yeah, met a guy recently who had been married, you know, um, six months or something, and he, he took out his phone. His wife was there, and I said, "Don't, don't ever change that." That's great. You know, it's... well, and I also know that you know if anybody's met you or Julie or spent enough time with you, they'll come to quickly realize that your Monday nights are like cemented. That's our date night into your date night. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and that's even an intentional. I mean, how long have you been doing that? Well, when we got out of the band in '84, I thought you know we were together for 24 seven, so I thought eh, we don't need date nights. You know, we're, we're, we're always together. We always talk. And I think it was somewhere like in 87. So well, about 35 years, uh, Monday nights have been a date night. And wow. uh, it's not in the Bible. It's not, you know, have your date night. Right, clear. right, right. And it's, I think that's important to say. But what it does say, just like with anybody, I value you enough to block out this time every week. Yep. And it's just going to be you. Yeah, and you know we'll do the Target run or the Home Depot run or Lowe's or, uh, but we almost always go out to dinner. You don't have to go out to dinner. You could go to, you know, just get some dessert or coffee. Yeah. But the important thing is we're just we're talking. Yeah. And we're enjoying each other. Yeah. You know, I used to think date nights was was for talking about the budget. You know, where (laughs) I would tell Julie, "This is how you're spending too much money." And and, in my mind, this was perfect. Yeah. Got an extended amount of time. You know, she's sitting there; she can't go anywhere, and I'm just going to say, "Dear, you just have to pull. You just have to pull the strings tighter." You know, and I finally realized that's stupid. That's just you're Mm. a moron. Um, it's a time just to be together. You know, lots of times, you know, people in our house will ask us, so where are you guys going? Well, we'll figure it out once we get going. You know, it's not like, there's a place we like to go in Louisville, Double Dogs, uh, which we really enjoy, but it's not like, um, 
you know, we'll go to nicer places occasionally, especially if we have a gift card. But we we just want to be together. Mm-hmm. You know, we just want to be together. And that's what we've cultivated. I'm just, I'm, I'm using this time, this moment, this podcast to say to guys who are in ministry, devote yourself to what God has told you to devote yourself to. Mm-hmm. Don't take it for granted. Mm-hmm. You've been married one year, three years, five years, 10 years, 15, 20, 30, 40. I've been married 45 years, and I am more passionate about this ever than, than I have been. Amen. Because I see the effects yep. of not giving yourself to what God, yes. in His mercy and grace, has told us to do in regards to cherishing and loving our wives as Christ loves the church. And one last thought. The more humble you are, the better it will go. <laughs> Just say that. So when your wife says, hmm. you know, she points out something to you, just the more you can learn not to say, you know, here's why, or or what about you? Uh, the better your marriage will be, the more glorifying to God your marriage will be, the more happy you will be, the more happy your wife will be. Just because we tend to, those in public ministry especially, it's a public position, you always have people looking at you, we tend to think, I can't do wrong, you know, and when my wife brings something to me. So a good, a good question to ask is, you know, if, if you know, I learned this years ago, CJ Mahaney, you know, taught this, told us to do this. Just ask your wife, if you could tell me one thing that I should change and you knew I wouldn't react, what would you say? Oh, man. And that's a great question. Hopefully you won't have to be always asking that because your <laughs> communication develops. Yeah. But I think it's, a, it's, a, it's true. God gives grace to the humble. Mm. So if, you, if your marriage is in a good place, you want to improve, start by, being, start by crying out to the Lord mm-hmm. to open your eyes. Um, but start by being humble and just saying, how, how can I be a better husband to you? Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I pray that's helpful. Yeah. Thank you so much, Bob. Uh, and uh, thank you again for joining us. Uh, we will have a part two uh, next time you listen about uh, the worship leader, uh, not only in his marriage, but also in his family, no, leading great, his family. Great to talk about so thanks for joining us. Thank you for listening to Sound Plus Doctrine, the podcast of Sovereign Grace Music. Sovereign Grace Music exists to produce Christ-exalting songs and training for local churches from local churches. For more information, free sheet music, translations, and training resources, you can visit us at SovereignGraceMusic.org.